Hi, you're listening to my mom, Kat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, my name is Kat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope this show is the pep talk that you need as a mom, a reminder that what you do every day is life-changing, and it matters more deeply than you could ever imagine. Out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are special and amazing and he has called you and he will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. Hey friends, this is Kat Lee, and today we're chatting with Ruth Sukup about how to declutter kid stuff. Anybody have kids with lots of stuff that clutters your house? Raising hand, we're going to learn about how we can declutter school stuff, birthday and Christmas stuff, and how we can give our kids questions to help them sort their own stuff. But before we jump into our chat today with Ruth, I want to say a huge thank you to our show sponsor, Plan to Eat. Plan to Eat is an online menu planning site, and it makes recipe management and menu planning and shopping list making and all that stuff super easy. I've been using them for years, and I absolutely love their service. I can very simply take a menu plan for the week and put it together, and it automatically creates and organizes my shopping list for me, which I love. So Plan to Eat is offering a free 30-day trial. Just go to plantoeat.com forward slash inspired to action and give them a try. Now let's jump into our chat today with Ruth Sukup. Hey, Ruth, how are you doing today? I am great. How are you? I am doing very well. I'm enjoying the the nice Texas weather that we have right now. It's in the 80s today, which has been stunning and gorgeous, and I love it. Uh, so it's been good. What what part of the country are you in? I live in Florida, so we also oh, have weather in the 80s. We're um, like weather twins. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's beautiful here today. Wonderful. I love it. Um, so you don't know what winter's like either. No. Yeah. No. That's pretty much <laughs> Although I do remember it. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, so okay. I remember a lot of rain, yes. but I'm making up for that now. Well, I grew up in Chicago, so we actually are weather twins. I'm familiar. <laughs> That's why we ran away. Actually, the yep. story is, is that my dad was a mailman, and his beard froze to his face mask one year, and so then we moved from Chicago, Illinois, to Brownsville, Texas, where if you look at the map of the United States, the very bottom tip of Texas, yeah, that is Brownsville. So we went as oh, far as we could while staying awesome. within the continental U.S. I love that. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so Ruth, I know that probably so many of my listeners are already familiar with you, but I would love for you to just give us a brief introduction into to who you are and a little bit about your family. Sure. Well, my name is Ruth Sukup, and I write a blog called livingwellspendingless.com, which I've been writing for about six years now. And I started that blog way back then, not because I am so good at living well and spending less, but really just the opposite because I was kind of a financial disaster and really good at spending money and I needed some sort of way to hold myself accountable. So that's where it all began. And now I do that full time and I love it. And I live in Florida, like we just said, with my husband, Chuck. Um, we've been married for 10 years. It's actually our 10-year anniversary on Friday. Oh, and Thank you. And we have two little girls, Maggie and Annie, ages six and nine. Oh, how precious. 10 years. That's awesome. Does it feel like it's flown by? 
Yeah, it does. You know, there are moments where it feels like it's we've been together forever. Like I can't imagine my life without him. But then there are other moments where I think, oh my goodness, was that just, was that 10 years ago already? You know, at those moments from <laughs> when we first met and all those, all those fun memories. But yeah, it goes fast. Well, I would love to chat with you today about the idea of managing kid clutter. Now, you know, some podcasts, maybe both of the guests on the show might be, or mo- both of the people talking are kind of expert people. In this case, it is not that way. Um, I will just be open and honest and say that, you know, when, when it's time to clean the house, sometimes I shut the kids' doors and <laughs> clean the rest of the house and then tackle the kids' room separately because they can be a little overwhelming at times. We We love books. And so while I love having paper books around, they are one of the biggest contributors oh, of clutter. Aren't they the worst? In our home. And, and on one <laughs> hand, I'm like, oh, I love all the books lying around. And then two yes. seconds later, I'm like, I hate, all, I the hate all the books lying around. I couldn't completely relate to that struggle. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> we face it too. We have we have um, bookshelves um, in our living room of like kind of a library area. And about half of the shelves are kids' books and they're so packed and I love that my kids love to read and yet I just want them to put the books away when they're done. Yes, yes. So I'm curious to know, have you always been organized? Has your home always been organized or has this been a journey for you? Oh, this has so been a journey for me. I have I do not I am not neat by nature and and I think that's really important to start out by um to start out with like I it stay staying neat and tidy and keeping things neat and tidy is a constant struggle for me because it just does not come naturally to like to me like my sister has loved to clean ever since she was like young and I can remember like her wanting to organize everything as kids and vacuuming every day as a kid. And I am not that way. Like I was the messy one and I was, you know, my parents would tell me to clean my room and I would throw everything in the closet and put a blanket over it and hope that they wouldn't notice, which they always- that isn't valid? (laughs) Apparently not. Apparently not in my house. And you know, my kids do that now too. And (laughs) it just makes me laugh every time because I so- can so relate to it. But at the same time, I am also one of those people that when I am in my home, I need to have it clean. Otherwise, I feel like I feel like everything around me is spinning out of control. Like the I don't like chaos and I don't like clutter. And so it's a really interesting dynamic because I have to really work at keeping things clean and yet I want to keep things clean. Otherwise, I know that I can't be as productive as I want to be. So that's that's the struggle. I The struggle is real, girl, and I feel it every day. <laughs> so if that's always been a struggle for you, then you got married and there was somebody else added into the dynamic. And then you had kids and two more people added into the dynamic who have no sense of, you know, organization or whatever, at least most kids typically. So what has this journey looked like for you? Was there kind of a breaking point in your family or was it something you gradually did ever since they were little? There was definitely a breaking point. You know, I, when I was single and I had my own apartment and I was, that's when I started to become more of kind of, I guess, a a neat freak. Again, it doesn't come naturally for me, but I would work really hard at keeping my place clean. And when you're a single woman living by yourself and there's nobody else to mess it up, like it's actually pretty easy to keep things clean. 
And so that was great. And then, you know, when it was my husband and I, it was still pretty easy. He's very neat. And so that works out great. And then kids came into the mix. And that was like a whole other dynamic because kids do not keep anything neat. And at the same time, I was really struggling with overspending and bringing more stuff in. So I had this, you know, I would go to Target and a lot of times it was just boredom. So I would go to Target and I would fill up my cart with cute things because tar- everything at Target is cute. I don't right. know how they managed to do it. But. It's like a crack store. <laughs> it seriously is. That is, and like every row, there's something cute. <laughs> and so I would bring it all home with those, you know, bags and bags full of stuff. And, and it was all cute stuff. And then I would buy, have to buy all the organizing supplies, which were also right. cute at Target to go to organize all this stuff I was bringing home. And I was doing the same thing to my kids. So I kept thinking if I could get them the right toys and stimulate their brains and they'd be able to play by themselves for a little while and they'd be able to entertain themselves. And, you know, I kept, I was trying to like use all this stuff to solve a problem and it wasn't really working. And then at the same time, I was trying to get them to keep their stuff clean And so every day we would go through this struggle of, okay, girls, it's time to clean up your room. Girls, if you don't clean up your room, I'm going to take your stuff away. Girls, come on, let's clean up your room. If you can't keep your stuff clean, I'm going to take it away. And um, because we would do, you know, we'd go through the routine every day of, of cleaning up the house. And finally, one day I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take it away. And I did. I took away every single thing that they owned. And I wrote a blog post about it and why I took my kids' toys away and why they're not getting them back, which has been read and shared millions of times. You know, it's one of those kind of viral posts and I'm the mean mom on the internet who oh, took my kids' toys away. But it was, a, it was a turning point for our family. And it wasn't, it, it was because my kids actually were so much happier when I took their stuff away. They I thought they would be begging to get it back. I thought they would be, you know, doing whatever they could do to to like earn and earn their stuff back and they promised to keep it clean and they as soon as it was gone they were like free. And you could just see there was like a weight lifted and they started playing better and they stopped fighting as much and there were so many amazing benefits and I it was like the light bulb went off on on in my brain of like, oh my gosh, I am filling up my kids' lives with stuff they don't even want. And it's stressing them out. And I am doing the same thing to myself. And that was several years ago. And so that's been, that was, I would say, our turning point. Now, what I share in Unstuffed is that that was just one moment in our lives. You know, it's not like with kids, you get rid of all their stuff and then it's gone forever. I mean, with kids, there's constantly stuff coming back into the right, house. And, they, right. and it wasn't like I took away all their toys permanently and my poor children have never had any toys. Like <laughs> I got some stuff back. We really focused on the stuff that they really enjoyed and and try to keep, and we do try to keep things to a minimum. So, you know, compared to a lot of their friends and a lot of other kids, my kids have a lot less, but even then it's a lot because they go to school and if they're good at school all day, they get treasure box and they go to a birthday party and they come home with a bag of plastic junk. junk. Yeah. And it's this constant struggle of they go to Sunday school and they make crafts and they make this and they make that. And so there's this constant influx with, with kids, the stuff keeps coming back. And so you really do have to figure out how you're going to deal with that as a family and, and what it's going to mean, which is, it's an ongoing, ongoing struggle. 
So what are some of the keys that you've locked onto for your family? Obviously, it's probably going to be different for different families, but I would love any insight that you have. I, I think, honestly, the biggest struggle in our house is that we're sentimental. Yes, I totally understand that. And I think that really, really varies by by child. Um, what my older daughter is much more sentimental than my younger daughter. My my younger daughter would like give away her blankie that she slept with since she was a baby at me tomorrow. <laughs> you know, she she's just not really that attached to anything. My oldest daughter, like, I mean, she gets attached to a gum wrapper. She's I have one of those. <laughs> And she wants to keep everything. So with that, you know, we have to be sensitive and I have to be sensitive because I'm like my younger daughter. I'm not that sentimental, but my husband is like my older daughter and he's much more sentimental. So we've really worked to strike a balance with them of saying, okay, you can keep this, but you know, this is your space for holding on to stuff and they each have a drawer. And when the drawer is full, then we need to get rid of some stuff and you need to go through this. And so that's one way that we've we've dealt with it. They each have their own drawer that they can like hold on to their treasures and and their stuff. But then once we go, you know, on a regular basis, maybe every couple of weeks, we'll say, okay, no, why don't you pick up 10 things that you don't want anymore? And so we kind of continually weed through it so that it doesn't get out of control. Because sometimes what they're attached to one week, um, they're, they've completely forgotten about four weeks later. That's so. so true. We, we, one thing, <laughs> one thing that we do, right, is I have a, um, I don't, I just call it purgatory. <laughs> it's <laughs> on top of our refrigerator where generally none of our children are going to look. And so when I have things, things that are out that I'm thinking, I really don't think that matters to anybody, even though if I ask them if it matters, it will matter deeply. Um, I'll, I'll take those things. I'll just stick them on top of the refrigerator. And then Smart. after, you know, whatever period of time, I'm like, okay, nobody has asked for that thing. Obviously, it can go. That's that probably not so the most smart. I feel like it's a little bit more reactive, though, because I'm kind of just sneaking it away instead of helping my kids learn to, you know, go through that process themselves. But for anybody listening who just needs <laughs> some sort of solution, there's my lowbrow solution. And Ruth's going to bring all the no, awesome. I actually do that, too. That I think it's a great solution. Like, we do go through stuff consciously with them. But I do. I have a secret purgatory, too. Even <laughs> my husband, I hope he's not listening right now. Even he doesn't know about it. Like, if I find stuff laying around... I have a bag in my closet and I put it in there. And then <laughs> Well, now you're going to have to move your secret hiding spot. I know because he just walked in and he's going to hear me. <laughs> but no, I think, I think it's really important for kids to learn how to, to, um, to discern for themselves what's worth keeping and what's not. And it's a, it's a conversation that is not a one-time thing. It's something that you have to continually work on and work towards and I think it's just an attitude in our family that we've we've really cultivated um, over the past couple of years is that we don't need more stuff. So that comes comes in with birthdays. You know, our kids don't get a lot of presents for birthdays. When we have birthday, if if they have a birthday party, we usually let them choose. They can either have a birthday party or we can go and do an activity or a trip or something like that. Um, they will have to, they don't get presents. So when, when their guests come, we include in the invitation, like, please no gifts. Or we usually say something like your present, your presence is your present, please no gifts. Oh, I like that. And, um, that usually really helps. And so, or, and at Christmas time too, we, again, they'll, they'll get like maybe one or two things each, but we don't do a whole pile of gifts. And we try really hard 
to make it about the experience and not about the stuff. And it's one, so you really have to do that kind of on a continual basis and your kids actually will start to get it. Our kids have started to get it. And even when we go to other people's houses and they see kids getting so much stuff, like at a birthday party where people do bring presents and there's 40 kids and there's 40 presents and it's this free for all of opening them. They almost, they they look at that. And then on the one hand, you know, they're like, wow, she got a lot of presents. But then we'll say, well, would you want to have to clean all that stuff up? And they go, no, that would be (laughs) awful. So I think they really do get it. I think kids get more than we give them credit for, but it has to be a constant conversation. Now, you mentioned making it so much more about the experience than the stuff. What are some ways that you try to do that? Well, with um, Christmas especially, we really work on having um, special traditions that aren't really in, they don't really involve presents or stuff. So, you know, one thing that we've always done on Christmas Eve is we decorate cookies. I We make sh- sugar cookies and then we decorate them and we have a cookie decorating contest. And then we, uh, after church, deliver cookies to the local fire station. And we've done that, for, I think, maybe five for five years now. We didn't do it this past Christmas because we were actually up in, in the mountains. But um, it is like the highlight of our Christmas every year because the firemen are so nice and they are so excited to get the cookies, even though I think they get a lot of cookies. Um, But they always give us a tour of the place. They let the kids go in the fire truck. They let them try on the, the jackets and the hats and take pictures. And they are just like so gracious and so nice. And, and it's so much fun and it's a really good opportunity for our kids to say thank you because that's what we say. Like we need to say thank you to the firemen. They're working on Christmas Eve and we get to be with our family. And so it's, it's trying to get our kids to look outside of themselves and their own experience and realize that, you know, having an attitude of gratitude is a, ends up being a better experience than just getting a pile of presents. I love that idea. And really, I'm assuming that's something that could be done year round. I'm assuming fire. Oh, for sure. Would welcome cookies <laughs> at any time of I year. Think they would, I think, and I, you know, we live in a small town, so maybe it's different in a small town versus a big city, but mm-hmm. I think firemen are usually pretty nice. And, and I've written about that on my blog before. And I do, I usually get a little bit of flack from um, wives of policemen who say that, policemen like cookies too, but they, they're not as popular as, as the firemen. But I kind of have a thing for firemen. So well, I think it's, it's, it's harder to, to, you know, nail down the policemen because they're moving all over the place and firemen, if they're not tending to a fire, then you can find them at one particular location. So, and the fire trucks you know. are fun. And yeah, yes, so it's, yes. it's just, you know, and it's not even, I mean, there's lots of other different things you could do. You could deliver cookies to a local assisted living place mm-hmm. and, and make it about that. Or, you know, there's so many different opportunities um, for experiences that don't cost any money and that kids think are really fun. And that you can make it more about this tradition than about, okay, now I need more presents and how many presents did I get? And what am I, because there's always a letdown for kids that there's the anticipation of opening the present, but then it doesn't matter how many presents they get or what they get when they're done opening them, it's the same letdown. And so (laughs) it's really, you know, I think if you can make it more about 
something fun that you can remember and talk about and share as a family, um, it actually becomes a lot more meaningful. Well, and I think it also helps get to some of the root of why we have so much stuff because you're redirecting your kids from this event being all about me to this event, you know, being able to be a blessing to somebody else. And then you're excited about the joy you're able to bring someone else. And there's no letdown with that. Yes, that's so, so, so very true. Absolutely. I love that. So then you also talked about as you're helping your kids sort through stuff, you know, you talked about a a particular drawer and Mm -hmm. when that drawer gets full, then they need to decide, okay, this is our sticking point. And I have one particular (laughs) child. I have have three kids, um, a 13-year-old girl, 11-year-old girl, and a nine-year-old boy. And this child shall remain nameless, but he is... He is my sentimental one, and I love that he's sentimental because he is the sweetest boy. But when we get to sorting through stuff, there will be a folded up piece of paper that his friend gave him three okay. years ago, and, and it's meaningful to him. So what are those questions that you ask your girls to help them keep things fitting in that drawer? Because we have things not fitting in a room, so we need to we need questions. Well, you know, one of the most important questions is, is this current is this currently useful and um, is it something that I'm going to use or that I'm using right now? And so obviously with a piece of paper, that's maybe not going to fit that criteria, but that will fit a lot of criteria for a lot of things because a lot of times, and this goes for adults too, and this is something I talk a lot about in Unstuffed, but we um, hold on to things because there's the potential that they might be useful someday. There's the, you know, the fact we have a lot of guilt over getting rid of stuff because it was a gift because somebody gave it to us or because we spent a lot of money for it and we don't want to get rid of it because we we think we're wasting money if we get rid of it. And yet for all those reasons, that's not, none of those are, are valid enough reasons to hold on to something that we're not actually using. So the criteria really has to be, uh, is it currently useful despite who gave it to me and despite how much it cost? And when you can kind of get over those things and realize that the money's already gone, that goes more for adults than for kids. They don't tend to be that as much concerned over things. Although when kids start to buy things with their own money, then they do start thinking about that. And the other thing is, you know, did I say thank you to the person who gave it to me because your only responsibility for receiving a gift is to graciously thank the giver. And what you do from there, that does just because something was a gift doesn't mean you are obligated to hold on to it forever. So that's a really important thing because people and stuff are not the same and memories and stuff are not the same. And I don't know if, and it's a little harder with kids and it gets a little trickier sometimes. It's easier to just like with papers and stuff for my kids, I have found it is much easier to take all of their school papers as soon as they come in. And because especially my older daughter wants to keep every single paper that she brings home. And we have a basket that is on the top of their closet, one for each of them. And I just say, great, honey, good job. You know, this looks great. And I put it in the basket. And then at the end of the school year, we can sift through the basket and keep the ones that are really meaningful. And when there's so many, then they're not quite as attached to all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that gives us a solution. It's really quick and easy. And um, we can, you know, it's something that I can just do right away. And I only have to think about it once a year, but then it becomes easier to sift through. So with your... And I'll tell you this. This is—I don't know if this is, makes me a good mom or a bad mom. But with my older daughter, the one who's sentimental, 
I one time I said, well, honey, you better be careful if you hold on to every little thing. You might turn into a hoarder. And um, she was like, well, what's a hoarder? I don't know what that is. And I, I'm like, oh, well, it's a show. There, you know, a hoarder is somebody who can't throw anything away. And there's a show. Maybe we can find it on Netflix. So we look on Netflix. And sure enough, they have hoarders. So we started watching <laughs> hoarders. And she was horrified by this show. And she, this was the first time this has ever happened because my kids always want my husband to help them clean the room. They never want me because they know that I'm going to be way more ruthless about throwing stuff away. There's, and a, there's she, a key for all the moms that aren't <laughs> wanting to clean their kids' rooms. Be ruthless. They'll yep, be ruthless. And then they will either do it themselves because now I'm the threat. Like my husband will say, you better go clean your room or else mommy's going to help you. And they're like, oh, we'll go do it right now. Um, but yeah, so we watched Hoarders and afterwards she goes, mommy, will you help me organize my room and throw some stuff away? So that was like a miraculous event in our house. Like it was, it was the first time that that has ever happened, but it was really amazing. She was so inspired that she ended up throwing so much stuff away that she had been holding on to. So you might want to try hoarders. Well, it's sort of like the opposite of taking, you know, your budding t-ball player to a professional baseball game. It's showing them the end result of whatever actions they're currently taking. And in yes. this case, it was just not necessarily positive, but it sent her in a new yeah. direction. So it did. It, made it sounds like it works well. Why you don't want to hold on to everything. Right, right. <laughs> Okay, now I'm going to be super honest here okay. and say, you know, I can be a paper keeper as well because I sort of love, and we don't have a ton of stuff, but I have little boxes where I have memories of things mm -hmm. that I have no idea what's in the, those boxes. And part of me loves that. And I think this is true with especially my son as well, but, you know, different ones of my kids at different levels. They love having areas of their room, you know, maybe a, a box in their closet or whatever, that there's just like old memories and stuff that's not neatly organized, that's not, um, you know, they don't see all the time and enjoy all the time. And so I think that's sort of an element too. And I'm wondering if this is true, maybe for some of you listening out there as well. There's something fun also about having some sort of secret treasure that you haven't sifted through or haven't organized yet. So I don't know if any of your kids have ever gotten to that level. Um, but what would you say to somebody like me like that? Well, I don't think that there's really anything wrong with that. If that doesn't bother you, and if you kind of like the excitement of that of a box that you know that you might open up someday and it's not bothering you where you are right now, then I don't see any harm. I'm I I guess I'm not really a minimalist in that I think that nobody should have any clutter ever and everything needs to get thrown away. I think everybody has different thresholds for for clutter and for stuff. And where we where we need to be careful with with the stuff that we keep and the stuff that we have is just being careful not to just bring stuff in mindlessly, but to really, you know, be thoughtful and about what what is it that we're keeping and why are we keeping it? But if you, I mean, that sounds like a totally legitimate reason to me that if you like going through those things every once in a while and it's like a treasure and it's sentimental to you and it means something to you, then I don't think that there's any reason on earth why you should feel bad about that because it's not about what other people's expectations are for the stuff in their house. It's what your expectations are and what you can live with and feel like you're unstuffed. Everybody's threshold is a little bit different. Does that I make love sense? That. Yeah, I think that's a great phrase too, just to know your threshold. And I love that you said, if it's not bothering you, then it's not 
a big deal because it's about your house. So that's so good. Right. So everyone, thank you for joining me in my therapy session today with <laughs> Ruth. Um, <laughs> no, so um, I, I have one more question for you. And yeah. I know that this is not just my house, but I'm sure it's other people's houses as well. They they work with their kids to go through their room. They organize stuff. They, you know, are able to get their kids to let go of things. And they have bags of things that they're ready to get rid of. And then the bags go in the garage or the mother. Oh, yeah. And they never, that ever leave. That is my pet peeve. Yeah. And I, I will freely admit, like, that has happened to us in the past. Um, we'll put, I'll put a box in the garage and then my kids will find it and then they'll oh, take everything the out. And then this is the worst too, because my husband will let them have it. And then he'll say, well, you have to keep it only in the garage because if mommy sees it in the house, then she's going to throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> so they have this secret stash of toys that I have gotten rid of that is in the garage that they can only play with in the garage because they're not allowed in the house, which makes me sound (laughs) absolutely horrible. But it's really, but that's totally the truth is that if you don't get rid of it right away, it will probably find its way back into your house eventually. So if, if you do want to get rid of stuff, then, and if you really are truly wanting to get rid of stuff and you have too much stuff and it needs to go and you know it needs to go, then get it out right away. That's my advice is just, Whatever room you decide to declutter, if you have a bags full of stuff, take it to Goodwill or put it on Craigslist immediately and don't wait. Because if you wait, it might come back. <laughs> you know, and I've heard this. I don't know that it's true. Maybe, maybe you know. I've heard that some Goodwill places, will you can schedule a pickup. Have you heard this? I have heard that too. I've heard that for like bigger items, but I don't know about for like smaller items. I am not an expert on that. I always just drop stuff off. But, um, I have, I know in our area, like if you have like couches and furniture for the, Mm. there's like a Goodwill home store that they will come and get that kind of stuff. I think this is also where people who have garage sales, my, my, my family growing up, we always had garage sales. My husband to him, Mm. a garage sale sounds like a huge headache, which probably technically it does to me too. Although I have fond memories of money boxes and seeing all this cash. (laughs) Um, But I could see how that could be a really helpful force to deadline for, you know, once you've gone through all the stuff, you know, scheduling a garage sale, putting an ad in the newspaper or, you know, around your town, whatever, and knowing that that day comes, you have to have stuff. And that is probably a really great motivator. Yeah. I think for some people that really would be for other people, it would be like so much hassle that you would never actually get around to doing it. And then you would end up keeping the stuff in your garage, (laughs) thinking that you're going to have a garage sale someday. And so you really have to know your own personality. I think for that, some people love garage sales. My sister loves having garage sales. Um, she, the neat freak one, but I think that garage sales are way too much effort for the amount of money that they generate. Like I'm a believer that if you have something that, you know, is worth worth a little bit of money, either sell it on Craigslist or on Facebook or, you know, those, there's those Facebook groups or on eBay and otherwise the rest of the stuff, just get a, get a receipt from, from the charity. We usually donate, there's a little thrift shop that's owned by a local church. And so we usually donate there and we get receipts for tax write-offs. So it's kind of like a bandaid. You just want to rip it off as fast yes. as you can. Yeah. That, I think done. it really is important to get it out as quickly as possible. 
Wonderful. Um, so Ruth has recently written a book called Unstuffed, Decluttering Your Home, Mind, and Soul. And obviously, she knows what she's talking about. And, and in, in this podcast, we've only talked about kids' rooms. So if you are feeling like your life is cluttered and overstuffed in other areas of your home, um, of your heart, definitely go out and check out Ruth's book. Um, Ruth, what website, like where can, where can they get your book? They can find my book. They can get all the information on unstuffed.com, which is our book website. And there we actually have some amazing bonuses when you purchase the book. Um, there We have like $75 worth of um, tools and resources in addition to the book itself. And you, you, so you purchase the book anywhere books are sold and then go to unstuffed.com and you can just enter in your order number, your receipt number, and we will email you access to the bonus website, which has um, free downloads. You get a download of my 31 Days to a Clutter-Free Life Challenge and a workbook to go along with the Unstuffed book. There's tons of stuff. So really, it's the book is really super practical, but it's also... Um, very much a heart book where it's not just looking at, you know, here's how to declutter, but why, why, how did our lives get so stuffed in the first place and what can we do to solve the problem at a heart level and not just a stuff level? Well, and it sounds like a great book to go through with a bunch of friends. Absolutely. And there's also a DVD study if you want to do it with a book club or a, um, or a Bible study group. Perfect. I love that. Uh, so, Ruth, for the mom listening right now, she's about to take her headphones off, about to go wake up her baby from a nap, pick up her kids from school, see her kids after she gets home from work. And she's feeling a little encouraged from our chat, but a little weary. What encouragement and inspiration would you give her as she dives back into being a mom? Oh, my encouragement is just to not be so hard on yourself. You know, I think that one of the things that this book really looks at is not some unrealistic ideal of what someone else says your home should look like. You know, we look on Pinterest and we look through decorating magazines and we go to the container store, we go to Target and we see this like, this like ideal of what we think our home is supposed to be like. And so we're constantly striving for something that's not always realistic, but to really be honest about what you want your how you want your home to function and who you share it with and how you can create the the most unstuffed environment for yourself and not worry about what the world is telling you that your home or your life needs to look like wonderful ruth thank you so much for joining us today and being on the podcast and sharing your wisdom and helping us get unstuffed thank you so much for having me it was great to be here well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I know that there are a million things that you could be doing right now, and I hope that this episode has encouraged you. You know, if you have any questions or suggestions for me, just head over to inspiredtoaction.com and click the contact button to send me an email. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to do whatever I can to get the resources that you need to keep growing as a mom. And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you take a minute to rate it on iTunes. That's going to help more moms to find it and get the encouragement that they need. And as always, you can check out all the show notes for this session at inspiredtoaction.com. And you can also download any of our free ebooks or our free prayer calendars for moms at the blog. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com and click on the resources link. And my name is Kat Lee, and I wish you an incredible day with your family. And remember, you're a mom. You're kind of a big deal. Now go be awesome.
cry But I've set aside this time for you I bow before the throne of a noble king And in this place my heart begins to sing Gonna be a good day, a good day filled with His grace, His grace and sweet new mercies. May my thoughts obey Jesus to walk. 